Hey! It's going to start with a little Instagram video. Hi, Elevate Church! I'm going to post that to the internet. Good morning, everyone! How's it going? I'm so excited. I love coming here. You guys are so much fun. Just give yourselves a round of applause. You're fun. Do it. Yay. My name is Andy. Oh, they told me I had to do this. So, because one of the problems is the lights, and then it makes my face dark. But the only thing you can see is my nose. (laughs) Sticks out and gets lighted up. So, here we go. Is this okay? All the band had their hats backwards, so, like, I feel like I fit in now. My name's Andy. Uh, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Because my identity is not in what I do, but some of the things that I do, I am the chaplain at the Erie City Mission, is one of the things I'm so proud of the work that we do there and excited to be there. I am grateful for that. Uh, I am a life coach in leadership development person. I do uh, business, uh, and I have a rental property business with a friend. And I've been married to my incredible wife for 30, uh, no, did I say 13 years? 23 years. <laughs> Got married at age six. It was arranged. One-third of your life will be spent at work. How do you feel about that? I'll tell you how some people feel about it. Over 70% of Americans fundamentally do not like what they do for a living. 70%. One-third of your life of your days, of your entire, including your childhood and all the times that you didn't work and you just played, one-third of all of your days spent at work. 70% of people fundamentally do not like what they do. Over 67% of people, over two-thirds, are disengaged. So there's a small percentage of the people that do not like what they do are still engaged. (laughs) The rest of the people are disengaged, 67%. So 51% of that 67, disengaged. 16% are what they call actively disengaged. (laughs) That's an awesome term, actively disengaged. What does that mean? The only purpose in life that they can squeeze out of life. The only hope that they have is to work against the people that are paying them. (laughs) Isn't that actively disengaged? Are you actively, based on statistics, most of you don't like what you do, and a bunch of you are actively working against your company or organization? Uh, which would be bad if you own it, right? <laughs> 16%. I heard a story about a guy 
<clears throat> who would go into work and he found this little place at his workplace under the stairs where he hung some like tarps or blankets or something around and made a little room. And then he found a television and put the TV in there, put a little table in there and a cot. He would punch into work and he would find his space and he would just watch TV and play solitaire and take a nap. Some of you are like, oh, that's a smart fellow. That guy, that guy has figured it out. He did that for, he got caught three times and they didn't fire him. Is that, is that kind of amazing? That's amazing. Actively disengaged. Do you like what you do? Because we're told all kinds of stuff. We're given advice on like Instagram, you know. So quotes that re- are there to inspire you, right? And I, well, I saw it twice today on two different people's feeds, so I think God is telling me something. Things like dream big. And at the same time, you see another one. Don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all... Okay, what is it? Is it small stuff or is it big stuff? Am I supposed to dream big or is everything just small stuff? I went to uh, Cornerstone Bar and Grill to get some food. Uh, my wife and I like the, uh, the chicken quesadillas there. And, and uh, I, was, I was waiting. It was packed. I was wondering what was going on. There's a bunch of college students there. And they're all, you know, there was some kind of like, they were off the next day because of like President's Day or something. It was just jammed because, uh, you know, President's Day. Woo! And, uh, <laughs> and there was no place. There was no place at the, at the bar to like make my takeout order. And I'm like, you know, and, and she's like going crazy behind the bar. And I'm like trying to do the thing where you're like, you make eye contact. <laughs> like, hey, uh, I want to make an order. There's like two rows of people. I found a little spot and I kind of like, all right, I got it. And there's like a huge pitcher of beer right in front of me right here. And I thought, well, this looks awkward as the chaplain of the Erie City Mission. <laughs> and, and I'm waiting and I make my order and she's like, it's just going to take a little while. I'm like, no problem. I'll just stand here. And this gentleman... <clears throat> comes up and he, he, he reaches over top of my shoulder and he's like doing this thing, but he's not stopped. Apparently it was his picture and he's going after it and he's not stopping and there's like, I'm watching him and he's just like, and he, <laughs> I'm just leaning away. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. How, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm good. So, you know what? I was like, what? <laughs> this is becoming an interesting conversation. You know what? I want you... No. Dude, here's the thing. <laughs> you... You are rocking that hat. That's what he said. That's what he said. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, where's this going? He's like... You know what? You know what? You know what? This is it. This is it. This is it. I want you to have the time of your life. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I just came to get some takeout, but 
okay. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. This is, this is your time. This is your day. I want you to have the time of your life. Okay. All right. I will. I, I will. Get my food. We hug it out. And I leave. <laughs> Here's a mint. So I, I get into my vehicle and I'm driving home and I, I have this thought. I, I, I went and got some food that I like. I had the money to pay for it. I got into a, a, a truck that I own, driving back to a house that I own uh, to eat dinner with my favorite person, my wife. I was like, that guy's right. I'm having, I am having the time of my life. And how many times are we missing the moments, right, in life that we could be realizing that, oh, this moment is my life. But we get so much advice about life. What, what advice are you taking? How, how do you live it out? Do you not sweat the small stuff? Do you dream big? Do you stop and smell the? Or do I, am I supposed to go and change the world? My teacher used to tell me about the subject that I wasn't doing in, you're going to have to spend more time on math because you suck at math. <laughs> so, so I'm working on my weaknesses, but then I go to work and they say, no, focus on your strengths. Am I supposed to focus on my weaknesses or should I focus on my strengths? Is it big stuff or is it small stuff? Be a visionary, or, but live one day at a time. Your mom told you, maybe your mom didn't tell you this. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Maybe it was your teacher, maybe it wasn't your mom. <laughs> but if you create goals, make sure that they're specific and attainable. So is it, are they supposed to be attainable or can I do anything? Is, is anything possible? How do I take this advice? It seems contradictory. You have to be present in the moment, but you have to plan for the future. You should be content in all things, but don't be, stat don't be satisfied with status quo. <laughs> should I be content or not content? Is it big stuff or is it small stuff? Am I supposed to be present in the, in, in, in the now or should I plan for the future? Am I a visionary or one day at a time? What am I doing? What is happening? What Instagram post do I listen to? Is anybody confused? 70% should raise their hand. <laughs> See what I did there? Just go back. Yeah, there's so much advice. There's so much, you know, little quips about how to live and what do we do? Last week, Colby gave an incredible message. I, I was able to watch that. I wasn't able to be here. But I watched it online. Incredible. I took notes. I've got four pages of notes from his book, from his book, from his talk. <laughs> Colby, that's a sign. It should be your next book. It's really good. Because if we're frustrated about what we're doing, you have to think about why you're doing it. But if you're confused about why, it really comes down to who you are. Your identity drives your destiny. 
Your internal story drives your external actions. Let me say that again. Your internal story drives your external actions. Colby mentioned that you are a new creation. According to the scriptures, who are you? The scripture says that you are a new creation, a royal priesthood. You were chosen by God. He loves you unconditionally. He calls you his friend. You are his handiwork, his masterpiece, his special possession. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. You are Christ's ambassadors as though he was making his appeal to the world through you. You are who God says you are. You are loved. You are amazing. You were created in his image. And I love that that is our foundation, that everything that makes up who we are. Why is that important? It's important because the story we tell ourselves creates the feeling that we have about who we are and that drives our actions in life. And if you do not believe that you are worth what God says you're worth, then you will not invest in yourself to accomplish anything that you were created to accomplish. If you don't believe that you are worth what God says you're worth, then that totally changes how you live out life. But if you know that there is a God that made you and crafted you and created you to be amazing, to be his special creation, to be his image bearers here on earth, and that changes your destiny. It changes what you do practically. Amen? Did you ever make something? Did you ever create something? I used to play with Play-Doh as a kid. You play Play-Doh? You make Play-Doh? You still play with Play-Doh? Anybody? It's awesome. Who doesn't like Play-Doh? We, we didn't have much to do in the country as kids. <laughs> we didn't have Instagram or anything. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we used to just play with, we played with Play-Doh a lot, and I would spend a long time making something, you know, and you'd stick the arms on it, you know, and you're making like a, I don't know what it was. It didn't really look like anything. But you made it. You spent time on it. And then your brother comes along. He's not even thinking about it. He just sees it out of the corner of his, his eye on his way to do something else. And he... <laughs> Why did I hate that so much? I made it. It came from me. I created it. On a much grander scale, <laughs> the time that God has taken to craft and make and create who you are matters. To know that you are made and created in his image the story we tell ourselves drives what we do, and we have a story. I, Colby said last week, you know, but that sounds weird. What do you mean I have to tell a different story about myself? Well, you mean I should talk to myself? That's weird. Is it weird? No, you all talk to yourself already. All the time, all of you. Not some of you, all of you talk to yourself. And the story that you tell yourself matters. And a matter of fact, the story that you tell yourself, you hear more than any other voice in life. And sometimes the voices you've taken for yourself and you've taken parts of what people have said about you and that has become the story that you tell yourself over and over again. And all of us have a tape in our head. Well, some of us have like an MP3. 
right? Some of us have a tape. I have a tape. I'm from the 80s, a little cassette tape in my head. Some of you, honestly, looking around, you got an eight track. <laughs> I remember eight tracks. John Denver had it playing in our Chrysler Volare. We all have this message, and to change your life, you have to change the story. And Colby talked about how that story needs to change and tell yourself a different story. Ephesians 10 then takes it to the next level. He talked about and ended his message with, well, what have we, based on that information and who we are, what are, what are we called to? How does that change? What does that look like? Ephesians 2, 10 says this. For we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork. Who is God? God is the creator of all things, and we are made, it says in Genesis, in his image and after his likeness, right? We are created in the image of the creator. He placed us here to bear that image to the rest of the world. We are created to be creative. He put us in this world, in the garden. He said he placed Adam in in, uh, Genesis 2.15. He placed Adam in the garden to work it and to take care of it. We are to protect it and watch over it, take care of it and to work it, which means, that word means to cultivate, to take what is there and make new stuff, to make Stuff to create, to be creative. I mean, if you look at the scope of the scripture, where does it start? He puts Adam and Eve in a garden. In, Je- in Revelation, where does it end? A city. The tree of life in the end of the scriptures is in a city. It started in a garden and ends in a city. I believe that if sin never entered the picture, that there still would be a city. That we are here to create and to be creative, that We are to build and to create art and architecture and music and business and all the stuff that make up our world. I still think we would have a city. I think we're here to be creative. God, the creator, makes us his handiwork. The scripture says in in, in Psalm 139 that we were knit together. He knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. What does that mean? What does that mean? Wonderfully, I can grab hold of that. I'm okay. I'm wonderful. I need that. On a daily basis, I need to hear that. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully made. What's it? What does that mean? <laughs> You're fearfully made. Was it God like crafting me? And he was like, all right, guys, here we go. We're going to let it go. Anybody else scared? Okay, here, here goes Andy. Step back. <laughs> Is that fearful? Fearfully made, uh-oh. <laughs> we can improve on this. Don't worry about it. We'll just see what it does first. We'll learn from our mistakes. <laughs> What does it mean to be fearfully made? That same word we know if we we were to fear God, right? The Old Testament, what does that mean? To fear God means to to show him awe and reverence. 
to stand in awe of who he is, that this awe, this fearfulness, this creator, this being that is so immense and so amazing that we are standing in awe of who he is, in that same aweness, he made you and me. With that same reverence, he crafted and knit us together. The created God makes a masterpiece, his handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus. When all was lost, the gospel says that he made us and he stepped back from his creation, right? What did he say? When he got done creating everything in the garden and everything was done, what did he say? It's good. The, the Hebrew says good, good. This is good, good. I love that. That is how in the Hebrew you say very good. You just repeat it. This is, this is not just good. This is good, good. That's how he felt about what he made and who he made. And then it got bad, bad really quickly, <laughs> right? We, we said, you know, great. I'm glad you made us at all. That was awesome. We've been having a great time here. We're going to try it on our own now. <laughs> and it gets really bad really quickly, right? But there was a promise in the beginning that one would come to save his people, to save the world. Right from Genesis chapter 3, that promise is made. And throughout the Old Testament, one is coming to save. One is coming to save. And then Christ shows up and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That he came to redeem the broken, re redemption. the redemption, the broken world. He brought redemption. He redeemed. That's awesome. What does that mean? Redeem. It means to deem again. I'm going to deem you guys again. What am I doing when I deem something? I am making a judgment. I deem that chair mine. <laughs> so when God brought in Christ came to redeem, he came to make it good, good again. He came to make it good again through Christ. It was broken and a mess. Jesus comes and says, I am the way, and this is the kingdom. Repent and believe, right? Believe, repent and believe and follow me. Become part of the kingdom. We are going to restore this. You become agents of his kingdom. You become part of the restoration process. We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God is making his appeal through us, we are now agents of the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the scripture says, is forcefully advancing. And forceful people take hold of it. We're pushing against the darkness. We are pushing against the brokenness. We are taking the things that are broken and making them new again. We have been made new to come into the world and to make things new again. That's our job. That's what we do as restored believers, image bearers of God. We become part of the king's kingdom to take the kingdom and advance it. So now what? What does that look like? I, I want to show you a scripture. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And I didn't know what it meant at first. And I heard people talk about it. And uh, it didn't make any sense to me. You are the salt of the earth. Okay. I don't understand. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, I'm the salt of the table. <laughs> I'm the salt. What does it mean to be the salt? 
And how many people have heard somebody say, you're here to preserve things because salt preserves meat. And you're here to bring flavor. Like I'll put the A on the end. You are here. It doesn't say that you are the salt of the meat. It doesn't say you're the salt of the table. It says you're the salt of the earth. And if you do some study, which I had to, I was like, that doesn't connect with me. This scripture, do we have, uh, do we have that one? Luke 14. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil or the manure pile. I love this. You are the salt of the earth. (laughs) All right, this kind of paints a different picture. (laughs) What is he talking about? In the first century, salt was not used necessarily to spice up the food and to I mean, it was used a little bit to preserve the meat, but that's not the context. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is that in that culture, some of the salt that they used was used as fertilizer to help things grow. And they threw it on the manure pile to help break it down and to decompose it. So what's the message? We're the salt. What are we supposed to do? Find the piles of crap in this world, dive in, and break them down. Let's pray. (laughs) To mix in the soil to help things grow. We are here to bring life. Christ said he came to give life and that more abundant and we are to perpetuate that in the kingdom. The kingdom is here to show the rest of the world how life is supposed to be lived. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in Our model is how it is supposed to be and what we are to do is bring it to bear here on this earth. We are not waiting for some day when we die and float around in clouds. By the way, that's not going to be the case. You don't float around in clouds with little, like little chubby babies with wings. That is not heaven. By the way, that sounds more like hell. (laughs) The things that we're supposed to do is take that model and make it here to find the piles of crap in this world, the things that are broken, the things that smell, the things that stink, the things that are broken, the things that are not the way they should be, and to dive in and to break it down and make it useful and to fix it and to make things grow, to step into somebody's life and make disciples. What does that mean? We, We walk with somebody and help them grow. We step into their life and help them carry the burden. We help them thrive and find who they were created to be and to live it out. So Andy, what are your three steps of doing this? I need three steps. (laughs) I need three practical steps to go away from this sermon. I don't have it. I don't know. You were created to be creative. You figure it out. (laughs) The best ways to fix the problems 
that we have in this world are still locked up in the hearts and minds of the people that are sitting in these seats, that are out there in the world that don't yet know Christ. God has created us to be creative, to build the works, the good works that God had prepared in advance. Some of us get so much anxiety because we're, we think we're missing all of the things that God prepared. What, what have you prepared for me to do? What are the, what's the task list on Outlook that I need to take care of running into my future for eternity? Uh, that's not how it works. He prepared in advance for you to do good works recreated you in Christ, given you a new life. Now go and create. And do it with love. There was a guy that came into this city that was very depressed. Not this city, another city. Economically depressed. They'd lost a lot of their uh, manufacturing and, and a lot of their economy. And things were broken. There's a lot of blight, a lot of buildings breaking down. He stepped in and he started a business under the understanding that he was here to be creative and to fix things. And he started a business taking down buildings and repurposing all of the stuff, all the amazing materials in the buildings. And man, by the way, that stuff sells for a lot. You go into a broken old building, you pull out some stuff, you put it on eBay or something, and it sells for a lot of money. He figured this out. So he started a business. He started hiring people to take down these buildings and repurpose all this stuff. He was getting rid of the blight in the city. At the same time, he started a business, and he started hiring people from the town. That's the kingdom. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know how God has wired you, but I know that he's placed gifts and talents in you, created you to be creative, and we are to step in to help things grow and to find the places that are broken and fix them. The best ways to solve the world's problems are still locked up in the hearts and minds of the people here. I want to end with my story. A bunch of years ago, I hired a coach, a ministry coach. I was in ministry. I was an assistant pastor at a church. Um, I, wanted to, I was about to turn 40. I wanted to avoid the midlife crisis. Um, I did really want a sports car, but I didn't have the money for it, so, oh well. <laughs> hired a coach, and I said, I want my next 20 to be better than my first 20. I want to figure out what I'm supposed to do from here forward. And as I began to mull it over and what God has been doing in my life, I realized that I loved what God was doing in the city with this church that we had started in, in a bar downtown and all the people that I fell in love with that were struggling in poverty and I wanted to do something about the issue of poverty. So I left that church and I started as the chaplain at the Erie City Mission. I wanted to start stepping into what I felt like God was calling me to. In a few years, I realized that if you wanna really impact the issue of poverty, you can't just work on the issue of poverty with people in poverty. You actually have to start working with the people that can hire people out of poverty. And I wanted to step in and start helping business leaders. And so I started a business and I coach and train in leadership. 
And we realize that one of the most, uh, the biggest factors in poverty is safe, affordable housing. And a friend of mine and I, my best friend, he was the best man in my wedding 23 years ago. He and I started a rental property business where we could buy and fix up homes and rent them to people that are trying to make a difference in their life. Maybe they have bad credit, maybe they have struggling before, but now they're on a good path and they're working. And we wanted to provide a place where there was safe, affordable housing. That's what we're doing. I don't know what you're called to. I don't know what God has placed in your heart. But we're called to to try and to fail and to figure it out and to keep working and work together as the body of Christ working together to bring the kingdom to bear in this world. Created to be creative, now what? That's up to you and what God has called you to. To take love, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Go and be creative. You bow your heads with me. If you're here today and and you're thinking, that's great, but I've never, I don't know what this Jesus thing is about, and you feel like God has called you, you feel like you were created, and you never started a relationship with Jesus, I just want to give you the opportunity to do that now. And maybe you've heard Colby, and you've heard this about what he's done for you and the forgiveness through his death and his resurrection. That recreated in Christ, you have new life. And if you're here today, and you want to embrace that today, and you want to start this new life with him, and Receive that forgiveness. I just want you to put your hand up really quickly. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. That's so, that's so awesome. And just prayed something like this myself when I surrendered to Christ. And if that's your heart and you want to surrender to God, you can pray this along with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for my sin. I know that you have made me and crafted me and created me in your image. And I have walked away from you. Please forgive me and lead me in this life from here on out. I will follow you. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.